0: The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would take your Bibles, please, and let's go to Genesis chapter number 41. We're going to pick up where we stopped last week. And, of course, if you'll recall last Sunday morning, our studies found us in uh, the portion of Joseph's life where he's now in prison in uh, Egypt, and while he's in prison there, uh, he's been uh, promoted to, to some extent, but now he's also been given the task of pretty much the servant of the butler and the baker. Um, the butler, of course, was restored back to his place and uh, position in the Pharaoh's court. The baker hung, and uh, that didn't work out too well for him. Uh, but Joseph was able to interpret their dreams and give them the answers to what they meant and uh, Joseph asked the butler he said "Would you please remember me I'm in this place for no reason I've not done anything to deserve being here and uh, he says just remember me when you get back to being in Pharaoh's presence you might have an opportunity to have his ear and to get put in a good word so that I might be able to be released well if you'll join with me here in verse number one of Genesis 41 this is where we kind of stopped and and I'll recall to our remembrance here, and it says in verse number one, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And so the butler is restored. He goes back to his regular uh, work there, and, um, and uh, he, just, he forgets. He forgets about Joseph, and the Scripture tells us here that for two years Joseph sat and waited. Of course, when we last saw him, as, we were, as we've already been saying, that he's waiting for a visit, a visit from the outside, someone to come in and say, hey, uh, you're able to go. We're going to move you on to someplace else. In chapter 40, verses 9 through 13, he had in- interpreted the dreams uh, of, the, uh, of the butler. And uh, then in verses 14 through 15, he uh, gave him the information about it, so securing his release and such. But look at verse number 23. Verse number 23 of chapter 40, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. In our text this morning, though, as we jump into chapter 41, we're going to go quite a ways through it. I don't know that we'll finish the entire chapter, but we're going to get quite a ways through it this morning prayerfully. Uh, We're going to see as Joseph is experiencing these things, and uh, and, uh, he's been put on delay for a while, but ultimately he will be delivered. He will be set free from prison, and we're going to see how uh, there was an unseen hand of God that was guiding and taking, uh, the, taking uh, uh, control of the situations. We're also going to see uh, that what the Lord did for Joseph, He honestly can still do for you and I today as well and work in our lives in much of the same way. Because he knows where we're at. He knows that the time that we're living in. He knows what we're experiencing. Uh, and he knows how to bring us out of those. Uh, if you may, prison experiences, those, those tough and trying situations. So let's join us again. Uh, let's join again with Joseph while he's in prison at this time, uh, but how we kind of notice the circumstances that God is orchestrating and God is using to help deliver him, to bring him from prison to the Pharaoh's palace. And so, number one, I want you to notice with me this morning, a mighty providence, a mighty providence. Read with me picking up in verse number two now of chapter 41. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kin and, uh, and, uh, and fat-fleshed, and uh, they fed uh, in, in a meadow. In verse number three, it says, and behold, seven uh, other came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean, lean-fleshed. And stood by the other uh, kind on the other on the upon the brink of the river, and the ill favored, uh, favored and, and lean fleshed kind did eat up the seven well favored and fat kind, and uh, and Pharaoh awoke. In verse number five, it says, and he slept and dreamed a second time, and behold, a seven ears of corn came upon uh, one stalk, rank and good. Verse number six, and behold, seven thin ears and uh, ears and blasted with the east wind, and sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but uh, there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day, Pharaoh was wroth with his servant, and put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker, and we dreamed the dream in one night, and I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant of the, to the captain of the guard. We told him, and he interpreted to us our dream to each man according to his dream he did interpret. In verse number 13, and it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was, me he restored unto mine office, and uh, and him he hanged. And notice verse number 14 now. It says, and Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. So to anyone looking at the life of Joseph thus far, it must have appeared that the Lord had somehow forgotten him. Uh, two years had gone by. we read that the Lord was with him and the Lord prospered him. The Lord was with Joseph in this time and the Lord took care of him. But here Joseph interprets two dreams and they both come to fruition, asking one that was uh, well-favored to remember him as he enters into the the Pharaoh's court again, but he's forgotten. And for two years, he sits there in that prison cell. And uh, after all, this man was a faithful servant to the Lord. Why didn't the Lord move quicker? He must have forgotten Joseph while he was there Uh, because here he is. He's in prison all the while being faithful. He's still there, and he's, he's there for a crime that he didn't even commit. Surely God's just kind of turned his back, or surely God has forgotten him. But it only looked like God had forsaken him or forgotten him. God was working honestly behind the scenes and working all things for His good and for His glory to accomplish what needed to be accomplished. And God uses three amazing turn of events here to bring about Joseph's release from prison. See, we see a mighty providence on display here. And and, uh, we see in verse number one, some providential delays. In verse number one, it says, "'And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river.'" we find that it says two full years that there was, the butler had been released and he'd been back to work and he'd been enjoying the life of freedom. He'd been enjoying to be, do and go and, and as he pleased and whatever he wanted for two full years. Yeah, while Joseph still sits waiting and uh, hoping for some release, hoping for him to be re- able to remember him and for the Pharaoh to, to uh, say, all right, I'll let this man go. I wonder if we've ever been in those situations that Joseph had found himself in, where we're sitting there and we expect something to take place, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait. How about those who had prayed and asked for maybe a, uh, a loved one to be saved? I've heard of people praying and praying and praying for years, and that loved one still not trusting the Lord as their Savior, still not trusting, still delaying, still pushing off, and wondering if the Lord's even listening, if the Lord's ever heard. You'd say, why would the Lord delay on a prayer like that? In fact, we know it's God's will that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance, as Peter writes. So why would the Lord delay in answering that prayer? And we might think that God has somehow forgotten us. We might somehow think that God has forsaken us. And we might find ourselves in a similar situation as we would, in our estimation, or in our eyes anyway, say that, that Joseph had, had found himself in. Just staying faithful to God, just doing what he knew God wanted him to do, just doing the next right thing on, along his journey and on, along his way. And as he's doing all of these things, it fi- he finds himself still delayed for two years before anything takes place. But we find in this mighty providence a providential delay. We also see providential dreams because we've read there in verses uh, 1 through 8 that Pharaoh began to have dreams. And verse number 8 tells us that as he dreams these dreams, after everything said and done, it troubles him. The word here of troubled has the idea of being disrupt, disrupted or greatly distressed. He, 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 he was distressed. He was, uh, he was shaken up at what, what these dreams had to mean and, and what they could mean for his life and for his nation. And so the Bible tells us here that he called unto him, all of his wise men, all the magicians, it says there in verse number eight of Egypt, and all the wise men, and he called, them unto, uh, he called for them to come unto him, and he begins to ask them to interpret his dreams. These wise men, these were uh, men who were supposed to be able to communicate with their Egyptian gods. They were supposed to have a, 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 a special in route to them. Uh, to be able to communicate and get answers. And, and uh, then they were to share with Pharaoh the counsel from these gods. And so they were the ones that kind of served as Pharaoh's advisors and spiritual advisors, if you may, in that way. Uh, but the Bible tells us here that they couldn't interpret these dreams, they couldn't give any answer to what was going on. And it, 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 I would say this that uh, I, it appears that maybe God had closed their minds to being able to have any understanding of what was taking place. And uh, he caused them to draw a blank in this matter, if you may. I know for sure that these men, uh, I don't believe I'd ever heard from any of their so-called gods because those so-called gods aren't alive. And if they were receiving any spiritual influence in their life, it was a demonic sense and not from God, the true God himself. Um. But over this time, however, uh, we find that with these dreams, Pharaoh's men are found to be silent. They have no answer. Uh, to be a counselor without counsel in those days was a fairly dangerous place to find yourself. In fact, as we've been studying on Wednesday nights through the book of Daniel, uh, the, chapter 1 opens up. Uh, with the fact of uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, it opens up with the fact of the dream that, that Nebuchadnezzar had had. And all of his wise men and all of his mu- musicians and all of the people, his wise counselors, he asked them to give him the, the, the dream that he had dreamed and the interpretation of it, and they couldn't do it. And it, he begins to ask everyone he knows, and they couldn't do it. And out of his fury, he says, all right, every one of them are going to be put to death. Not just the ones that couldn't answer it, but even the ones who were in training to fulfill those areas. That would include Daniel also, remember? And so Daniel came and he asked and inquired as to why he was being ushered off to be put to death. And and he finds the answer to what has taken place and he asks for one night to pray about it and to be able to stand before Pharaoh. But to be a counselor without counsel in those days surely was a dangerous place to find oneself. But again, this is the providential work of the Lord in Joseph's life. See, God had sent this dream, the Pharaoh, and also set a blank in the, in the magicians' and the wise men's minds, all the while so that Joseph would have an opportunity to be brought into the Pharaoh's presence, to be able to be set free from prison, and to be able to accomplish God's plan and to accomplish His purpose. Isn't it a blessing to know that while Joseph delayed, was experiencing a delay, God was still constantly at work? And my friends, the same is true for us in our lives today. When we feel as if things are not progressing as we would want or hope, we have to just simply trust and know that God is still at work. God loves us. He has our best interests in mind, and His ways are much higher than our ways and thoughts more than our thoughts as well. And we must realize that God has our best interests in mind, and He sees things from a perspective that we could never see them at this point. In truth, God was controlling all things, even the heart of the King, as we even read in Proverbs 21.1. This passage here before us should also serve to give us hope today. And let me give you two reasons why. The reason why we should be able to have hope in the fact of of Joseph's uh, delay and, and these providential dreams that were brought, because it helps us to understand this, that God is sovereign over all things. You and I would not have chosen to be stuck in prison for another two years if we were in Joseph's shoes. You and I, if we were standing here, and only had the information that we have right now up until this chapter, and if we were in God's shoes, would not have chosen to keep Daniel or Joseph delayed for two years. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, if we only had the information, I know we know the story of Joseph, and so we know how it ends up, but if we were to not have any information or any understanding of what would take place after this point that we've already read, we would not have chosen, if we were in God's shoes even, to allow Joseph to remain in prison for two more years. Because we say in our minds, we say that's just cruel. There's just no sense of it. This man hasn't done anything. He's been faithful, and so we might as well let him out. But we understand that God is sovereign over all things, and He doesn't see things from our perspective. He doesn't see things in the here and now. He knows the beginning and the ending and everything in between. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 46, 10 through 11, Isaiah 43, 13, Psalm 135, 6, Daniel 4, 35, Ephesians 1, 1 verse 11, all portions of Scripture that help us to understand along with this one that God is sovereign, that He is in control. Secondly, though, it ought to give us hope today because we realize that kings rule at the pleasure of our Lord. Kings rule at the pleasure of our Lord. And we find here in this scripture that before us that all that was taking place and even the dreams that Pharaoh was receiving were all at the bidding of our Lord's hands. We read in Daniel 2.21, chapter 4, verse 32, and 1 Samuel 2, verses 7 through 8 are some other portions that help us to reveal and understand this, this truth that kings rule at the pleasure of our Lord. But before we move on and, 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 and consider some more about this, uh, this portion of Scripture, I'd like to mention something uh, that I had maybe mentioned in a previous time about dreams and such, that uh, God is not going to be speaking in the same way in dreams as He did in Joseph's day uh, like, like He did then. He's given us His Word. He's not speaking the folks into the point of saying, giving divine revelation, if you may. His word has been closed. He can speak to folks. He does reveal things to folks, but I'm talking about giving a new word. We must be careful about hearing someone preach the word and uh, then stop and say, I've just received a new word from the Lord. Those are dangerous, uh, a dangerous phrase to hear because we understand that he has closed his revelation of himself in his word that we have before us today. The Bible is superior to any dream anyway, because first, the Bible speaks to many subjects where dreams are more limited in their focus uh, oftentimes. Secondly, the Bible is far more trustworthy because anyone can read it, whereas a dream, only an individual is receiving that dream. Third, the Bible has absolute authority. Dreams can mean nothing at times. You know, I've had some of the wildest dreams probably just a result of some too much pizza earlier the night before. <laughs> For the Bible is certain and is fixed where dreams fade with time, and also dreams can be different. Even if you had a recurring dream, it can be different. I'm, just, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to diminish the power of God in any way today, but what I am saying is this, that God has given us His revelation. And we've got to be careful about saying that, God's given us His new word that we are to follow that is contrary to His word. That's where we find ourselves becoming a cult and uh, false teachers. But We find also not only these providential delays and these providential dreams, but also in this, this uh, mighty providence, we see a providential deliverance in verses 9 through 14, And which says, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my fault this day, and just to kind of cut things short, we realize that after hearing all that has taken place and that the magicians and the wise men can't give an interpretation to this dream, the butler says, oh, I know where I've messed up. Two years ago, I was supposed to tell you about this guy, and I just totally forgot about it. Now, I don't know how that happens other than to say God was in control again. Because, I mean, put yourself in the butler's situation. The butler had fallen out of graces with his, with his ruler, his king, his pharaoh. And because of it, he's been thrown into prison, right? He's in prison hoping to get out, and he has a dream. And this man miraculously gives an interpretation that is 100% accurate. And to prove his accuracy, he gives a second interpretation for a second individual that was 100% accurate as well. And in the time frame that he says it would happen, this guy's set free out of prison. He's right back to work with the, uh, with the Pharaoh like he was before. And to me, it would seem like every day I woke up and every day I went to work, it'd be like, man, I remember why I'm here today. Because this guy in prison told me about a dream. How do you forget that? Other than the fact, again, of God's hand at work here. But he says, I've I realized that my faults and what I've done wrong and and uh, he, he, he begins to explain to Pharaoh about this one that was able to interpret his dreams and be able, to, um, be able to, to deliver Joseph out of prison. And we read that in verse number 14, that Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in, uh, uh, came in unto the Pharaoh. We see a mighty providence on display through this portion of Scripture already, but notice secondly with me this morning, number two, a meeting with the Pharaoh. In verses 15 through 36, we won't read all the verses for the sake of time, but let's pick up in verse number 15, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I had dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard, uh, heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. In verse number 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Notice Joseph's profession here as he stands before this, this Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh says, hey, I've heard some great things about you. I've heard about how you gave the the butler a, a right interpretation about his dream, and now he's standing before me, and he's continuing to work for me. I heard how you gave the baker a right interpretation of his dream, and and it wasn't because of what you said that I had him hung, but I mean, you said it would happen, and it's exactly what I did. I've heard great things about you, Joseph. Uh, I've had a dream myself, and I need you to tell me what that dream means. I need you to do your work. Work your magic, Joseph. But notice the profession that Joseph makes. It's not in me to be able to give you the answer, but God will. It's not in me to be able to fix this problem, but God will. And in that, we see how every believer ought to be able to respond in any circumstance, in any situation. And it is not by my might or my strength or by my power, but by the power of God. It is not, I, I, if, if you're going through a tough time and, and the, the Lord is helping you through it and someone says, how are you handling this situation? How are you making it through these tough and difficult times? It is not to say, you don't, we don't say, because I read this book about coping. It is, we, we don't we answer by saying, well, you know, I just, I've always prided myself in being a strong individual. We ought to give honor and glory to where honor and glory is due. And say, God is working in my life and He's helping me through this. If if we have uh, any accolades that are given to us, we ought to reflect them back to God. Because anything that we have in and of ourselves is not of ourselves. All good and perfect gifts, the Scripture says, come down from God. And uh, we see Joseph's profession. But notice verses 33 through 36 after hearing uh, all that was taking place and taking place in the pharaoh's dream pick up in verse number 33 now therefore let pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over to the land of egypt let the pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of egypt in, seven, in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years uh, that come, and lay up the corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep the food in the cities. And that food shall be for, a, for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. So as Joseph professes that God's going to give the answer, the, the Pharaoh gives the dream, God gives interpretation to Joseph to give, and he says, listen, those dreams mean this. There's going to be seven plenteous years of blessing. You're going to reap great and bountiful harvests, more more so than what you even need. And Joseph warns them that, hey, if if we're not careful, uh, we'll just kind of blow it. We'll waste it. We'll overindulge. And so Joseph says, uh, here's the plan. And we notice Joseph's plan here in verses 33 through 36, and he says, uh, let's take the corn, let's take that excess that has been brought in, use only what we need, and let's store up the extra during these seven years of of plenty and blessing, because after these seven years is going to be seven years of famine. We're not going to reap any harvest. We're going to be in a very terrible situation, a horrible place, and uh, if we don't do these things, if we overindulge on the front end just because we have it, we will have nothing in the end. And so Joseph says, here's the plan, let's, let's store up while we're blessed so that we have a, a uh, safety fund, if you may, a security fund uh, of, these, of this harvest, of this crop, uh, when the bad times come. He says, in fact, it's probably be wise that you set up somebody to be the one in charge of this, because Pharaoh, you're a pretty uh, important individual, and you've got a lot on your plate already anyways, so why don't you pick out someone to kind of be the manager of this? Select an individual to be able to go and to take care of all of these things for you and to, to kind of orchestrate this work for you. And so we've seen here, a, uh, a number one this morning, a mighty providence, We've seen now this meeting with Pharaoh, but notice thirdly, a major promotion. And as we look at verse number 37, it says this, it says, And the timing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all the servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto uh, unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Verse number 43, And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried uh, before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So we find a great promotion comes forward. Here, Joseph's just trying to do his job. He's just trying to do what he would think the Lord would want him to do. And he said, here's the plan that the Lord has given. And and if you follow this, I believe you'll find success. You'll find uh, that you're taken care of. And in fact, while you're performing this plan, you ought to have someone enact it for you. Can I say that Joseph in no way was trying to lobby for his own good when he said that? He wasn't trying to put out his resume to say here's here I want to be that man. He was just trying to perform and do as the Lord would lead him to do. But because of that, because the Lord's hand was on him and his blessings was upon him, we see this promotion take place and we notice Joseph's new position as we read there in verses 38 through 41. Pharaoh likes Joseph's plan so much that uh, that he says, "You know what? Uh, let's go with it. We're, we're going to do this." And he, he, he asks all of his counselors around him and all of his servants around him, he says, is there anyone on which the hand of God is more than this man, Joseph? And of course, there wasn't anyone. And so Pharaoh says unto Joseph, because thou hast followed your Lord and because you have been wise and discreet through his wisdom and through his power, you're the one that I want to task with this this managerial position. And uh, you're the one that's going to be in charge. You're the one that's going to take care of this. In fact, you are going to be the second most powerful person in all the world. Pharaoh was the most powerful person in all the world. And Pharaoh said this, only on my throne will I be more powerful than you, Joseph. Water from ocean that is, right? Look at the, the new position that he's received, but notice in verses 42 through 44, we notice Joseph's new power as well. And as the Bible tells us that uh, Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed uh, him with uh, vestures of fine linen and a golden chain around his neck, and he made him to ride in his second chariot that he had. And, and it goes on even into verse number 44 where it says that unto jo- Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without thee shall no man lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. He says, unless you say it, it doesn't get done. Talk about some power, powerful words. And this was the authority that had been now given to Joseph. But notice also in verse number 42 again, we see some new possessions given to Joseph. When Pharaoh promoted Joseph, he knew that uh, this was someone he could trust. And so he Along with that, gave him some new possessions to to, to go along with his new position and power. It says that he gave him a ring, and this ring was Pharaoh's signet ring. It symbolizes Joseph's authority to act on the Pharaoh's behalf or as Pharaoh himself. He was given the authority to sign in the king's name. He was given a robe, and Joseph had lost the robe that had been given to him by his father. Remember that? Before he was thrown into the pit, his, father, his his brothers stripped him of it, tore it up, and said that a beast had uh, had eaten Joseph. That robe signified Joseph as someone special, as someone of the, as the head of the family. And Joseph only had that robe for a short time. He then also lost his robe when he was in Potiphar's house. Remember that? He's in there, and he's just trying to do his work, and here comes Potiphar's wife trying to, uh, to tempt him, and he runs out leaving his robe there. But now he's given a new robe made from the most expensive of Egyptian linen. This robe identified him as the ruler of the land. Joseph would hold on to this robe for roughly about 80 years this time. He was given a gold chain as well, the Bible says, and this chain told everyone who saw him that Joseph was a man to be revered and respected. When he passed by, everyone bowed at his feet before it. And given Joseph these things, the Lord was allowing Joseph to see a partial fulfillment of the dreams that he had already received years before that, back in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 11. As Joseph rode along in his new chariot, watching the people bow at his approach, he had to have given praise to the Lord for the work that he'd accomplished into his life. God had taken him from a pit into Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house into the prison, from prison to the second command in Pharaoh's court. God was at work in all that was taking place. I can't help but wonder, as Pharaoh took that ring and placed it upon Joseph's, the finger, put that robe upon him, downed him with that, that gold chain, and made the public proclamation that Joseph is now large and in charge, I wonder what the conversation was like at dinner in Potiphar's house that night. I wonder as Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar are sitting at the dinner table, I wonder how that conversation went. Exactly. <laughs> But there are times when we think that we've been forgotten. There are times when we think that we've all just been left alone. But if anything, Joseph's story and God's, the the image of God working in his life tells us otherwise. The Bible's chock full of of situations like this. Not only Joseph's, but I think about Job. Job experienced a tough time, but God was with him still. What are we to take away from this passage today? Well, there are, a few, there are several, but there's a few that stand out. One being this, that God is in control of all. God's in control of all. Don't forget that. He's working in your life even when you cannot see His activity. He has a plan to deliver you and to promote you and to work in your life to accomplish His work in His plan. Therefore, our primary duty in all situations and in all circumstances of life is to seek for ways to glorify Him even as we have to patiently wait on Him to accomplish His purpose in our lives. So I wonder, where do we find ourselves today? Do we find ourselves maybe in that waiting period like Joseph had experienced? Do we find ourselves in a very Terrible situation like Joseph had experienced. Maybe we found ourselves in a place where we're experiencing God's blessings right now. But regardless of where we find ourselves, can I say this morning, my friends, that let us always praise Him and promote Him as the giver of these things. Amen. He's the one who's constantly at work in Joseph's life, He's the one who's constantly at work in our lives as well. He took Joseph from prison to the Pharaoh's palace, and he's still its the same God that works in our lives today. Father, we thank you for this morning and this story. Thank you for your work in our lives, and Lord, I ask now that you'd help us to trust you when it seems like all is lost. Help us to, uh, to just praise you when the times are good and when the times are bad. And Lord, I ask now that you'd help us to remember the life of Joseph and your work in it when we experience these times of delay. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're dismissed.